Hello, my name is Jody Lee Mott, and welcome to Dream Gardens, where we talk up the kids' books we love. On this twice-monthly podcast, I interview other kids' books enthusiasts, such as writers, teachers, and librarians, about their own favorite children's books. I recently had the chance to visit the Smithsonian Museum of Natural History in Washington, D.C. with my wife and son. It was a little crowded the day we went, uh, but we still enjoyed the displays of mammals and human origins and dinosaur fossils, among other things. It was with this in mind that I picked out the poem I'm going to read today. It's called America, the Beautiful Home of Dinosaurs, and it's by Jeff Moss. Jeff was one of the original creators of Sesame Street. He's also the author of several poetry books, including The Butterfly Jar and The Other Side of the Door. This particular poem is from a book of his called Bone Poems, a collection of verse inspired by his own visit to the American Museum of Natural History in New York City. America, the Beautiful Home of Dinosaurs by Jeff Moss In the time we call Cretaceous, skies were beautiful and spacious, but there were no deer or antelope at play. Yet triceratops were roaming through the hills of old Wyoming. There were dinosaurs throughout the USA. Great Tyrannosaurus Rexus lived deep in the heart of Texas, though the folks from Texas sure are glad they're gone. Stegosaurs roamed Colorado. Eat those plants was once their motto. And in South Dakota lived Iguanodon. You can bet a big banana, allosaurs in old Montana left their massive footprints in the ancient stones. Scatellosaurus itty-bitty made her home near Salt Lake City, out in Utah where they found her little bones. Dinos lived in North Dakota, Massachusetts, Minnesota. Old New Jersey was the home of Hadrosaur. And it's really quite amazing when you think of dinos grazing on your lawn 200 million years before. So let's cheer them in a chorus. Every dinosaur or saurus, their American is home-baked apple pies. And our last historic factal be a large pterodactyl, making circles in our beautiful, spacious skies. My guest today is Jane Smith, designer and illustrator, as well as author and illustrator of the Chloe Zoe picture book series, including the latest books, It's Halloween Chloe Zoe, and It's Thanksgiving Chloe Zoe. You can find Jane's website at superjane.com. Thank you for joining me today, Jane. Thank you so much for having me, Jody. I'm excited to be here. I mentioned that you're uh, author and illustrator of the Chloe Zoe uh, picture books, and if you want to talk a little bit about that, what uh, they're about, the premise of them, and maybe the these two more recent books. Sure. Chloe Zoe is a picture book series uh, published by Albert Whitman and Company. Uh, there's currently six books in the series. The first four are It's Valentine's Day, Chloe Zoe. It's Easter, Chloe Zoe. It's the first day of preschool, Chloe Zoe, and it's the first day of kindergarten, Chloe Zoe. And as you mentioned, the Halloween and Thanksgiving books just released this fall and are also now available. The premise of the series is it's really geared towards really young readers and talks a lot about kids' first experiences, their first experiences with holidays, with school, and kind of how sometimes these moments that might seem small are really, really big for young kids um, and really honors their emotional experiences with those big events and celebrates, you know, all the great stuff that there is about having your first experiences with, you know, holidays and school and meeting friends and 
you know, kind of figuring it out and being a team with your family and your friends. And these two recent books, it's Halloween and it's Thanksgiving, Chloe Zoe. Uh, can you talk uh, what the storylines in those are? Sure. In the Halloween book, it's Halloween, Chloe Zoe. Chloe Zoe, of course, is excited for trick-or-treating and dressing up and going out with her friends. But her one thing that she's super nervous about is she heard a rumor that the house at the end of the street, there's a witch who lives there. And her friends try to reassure that this is, of course, not the case. There's no witch. But Chloe's always feeling like, I think there's a witch. So we kind of get to go through her kind of experience with trick-or-treating and all the things that are fun and exciting. And then that moment where she seizes up and is just, kind of overcome with the fear of this witch. But she gets through it with the help of her friends, Mary, Margaret, and George, and her family. And Chloe Zoe, of course, discovers that there's actually no witch. And I won't spoil the surprise, but there's actually really good fun stuff that comes from going to the house at the end of the street. And then the other book that released this fall is It's Thanksgiving, Chloe Zoe. And this book, Chloe Zoe is very excited to have her grandma come visit, who is Grammy Ella. And Grammy Ella and Chloe Zoe team up to make the pumpkin pie for Thanksgiving, which in her family is everybody's favorite. And it does not go according to plan. And her story is actually inspired by my own experiences with my nephew when he was very, very small. He really wanted to decorate the pumpkin pie with rainbow sprinkles. And my sister let them do it, and they got melty and gross, and the pie tasted super weird with all that melty, gross sprinkles, and it was a lot of a lot of fun. And so, kind of like my own family, Chloe Zoe discovers that, mm, you know, the pie might not have turned out quite right, but Thanksgiving is about a lot more than that. And of course, all of your favorite characters are back in, in these two books as well, um, which is fun. As I've mentioned, you're both the author and illustrator of these books, and I was wondering what your process is, if words come first or pictures, or if it's something that happens simultaneously, or is there something else going on? I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, different projects are different, but in Chloe Zoe's case, I would say it started with Chloe Zoe herself as a character and her two best friends, Mary Margaret and George with the original art of those two characters and the stories going from there. In each book, you know, a manuscript was written that kind of led into the final art for those books, Um, but it began with the characters. And one thing that's kind of fun to know about Chloe Zoe is that when she first began, when she was very first a dummy book making her rounds to publishing houses, she was actually a five-spread novelty Lift the Flat book. That was a first day of preschool book. And eventually that evolved into a seven spread novelty book with lots of fun bells and whistles like tactile elements and pull tabs. And an editor at Albert Whitman and Company saw that dummy book and really envisioned something much bigger for the Chloe Zoe character, in part based on the art and I think the emotional core of that story and experience of the first day of school. And uh, it was envisioned as a picture book series, and that's what she is today, which is super exciting and has been amazing to work on, a lot of fun. 
Along with the the Chloe Zoe books, uh, what other sort of uh, illustration design work do you do as well? Um, In addition to being an author and illustrator with Children's Publishing, um, I do a lot of art licensing work, um, which is kind of a fancy way of saying I do art for greeting cards, wall art, and um, art for a lot of home decor products. And a lot of those projects involve a lot of hand lettering and creating repeat patterns. And a lot of them are also for children. So there's a lot of crossover in those fun elements from the book art into these other markets. But that's also a lot of fun to get to do a variety of artwork for a variety of clients. Now, the book you chose as your favorite is Ivy and Bean, No News is Good News, uh, written by Annie Barrows. Uh, This is actually the eighth book in the Ivy and Bean series, and it was published in 2011 by Chronicle Books. And since this is the eighth book in the series, before we talk about the specific one, I was wondering if you want to tell us a little bit about the characters of Ivy and Bean, who they are and how they got together. Oh, sure. Um, Ivy and Bean are awesome. I love Ivy and Bean. Ivy is a little more reserved, a little more quiet. Um, She wants to be a witch when she grows up, and she has a little potion brewing station, her laboratory in her bedroom with all of her spell books and ingredients that she gathers, which include everything from dead flies to whatever other gross thing I'm sure you can think of. And Bean is super outgoing. She's always ready for an adventure. She's a little bit naughty, she's willing to break the rules, and is super silly. And when the girls first meet in book one, they actually don't really get along that great. They're not friends, but they kind of find their way into a friendship by the end of that first first book and, you know, are sort of inseparable ever since throughout the series. And what's the story of this particular book, No News is Good News? Um, in this one, the girls are super obsessed with low-fat Beldaloon cheese in a just-for-you serving size. And that is because they want the red wax that's holding the cheese. They don't care about the cheese. The girls want it because that's what everybody at school has. All their friends have it. And the girls want to squish it and make cool things and be super silly with it, but... Their parents are very practical and will not buy it for them because it's kind of expensive compared to just regular cheese. So the girls kind of have to go through a process to get this wax that in that basically involves earning some money. And they kind of go through a lot of different ideas until Bean's dad suggests that they make a newspaper about the cul-de-sac they live in called Pancake Court. And that's what the girls do. They go around and they make a newspaper with news about all their neighbors to earn money to buy this wax that is their diehard goal to get this. <laughs> and what is it about this book in particular uh, of all the books in the series that uh, stands out as, as uh, special for you? Oh, gosh. I mean, it's hard to say because I really love Ivy and Bean and I love all their stories. And we actually have lots of favorites in my family in the series. But in this one, there's something about the girls with this wax that just is so authentic and so familiar in a lot of ways. I remember being a kid and being so single minded in that focus and, you know, just the way that they interact with their neighborhood and their friends. It's its very real to me, both in my memory of being a kid and now as a parent, you know, watching my own daughter and her friends as they explore the world and go through things. And of course, this one is 
hilarious. You're going to have laugh out loud moments. You are going to crack up, which is always a good thing. Uh, the red wax that covers this cheese, everyone seems to have it or want to have. Reminds me a lot of trends that I've seen with my own son uh, throughout the years. Silly bands, slap bracelets, uh, things that just uh, suddenly everybody has them or wants them and then they disappear just as quickly. And I'd wonder if you felt that connection as well. Definitely. I mean, I definitely think, yeah, the wax functions like that in this story for sure. It reminds me of uh, being a kid with Silly Putty. Uh, in the 80s, the silly putty being the thing because you could make anything out of it. You could make a ball, that thing would boing all around your, you know, bouncing off the tile floor in the kitchen, driving your parents crazy. And you could press it into the newspaper and you'd get the, you know, the ink creating an image on the silly putty for sure. I think when you're a kid, too, there's just a lot of intensity around those those moments that even sometimes now as an adult, it's like, ah. Like, what is that? Why do you care so much? But Annie Barrows and Sophie Black will really capture, I think, just the intensity of, of, of these, these moments at that age and just how important something like that feels, like that wax just feels like the end-all, be-all. Uh, as you mentioned, uh, to make money, uh, I-Bean Bean come up with the idea of this newspaper, The Flipping Pancake. It isn't really until Bean's dad says something, they realize they actually have to, you know, write the newspaper and uh, deliver it. And I'm wondering if that's a lot like a lot of plans kids have, if they talk about it a lot, but the actual doing is something that may or may not come around. For sure, for sure. Um, I mean, I think there's there's especially when you're a kid, that, that imaginative play sometimes is half the fun. Although in this case, I think the girls are just so focused on their end goal. Like they, when they start the newspaper, they, they actually don't really care about the newspaper. They don't even really want to do it. They just want to get this wax. And in fact, when they go out in their neighborhood and they first start, they're kind of you know, it's a little lackluster. The girls are like, eh, you know, is a cat crossing the street a story? I don't know. But then as they start kind of poking in their neighbor's business and, you know, exploring the neighborhood, they start to have a lot of fun with it and they get excited and they kind of have some adventures and it actually turns into a whole fun adventure. And I, and I think in some ways in this story, as well as the other Ivy and Bean books, there's a lot of that, if you give a pig a pancake kind of element to it, where the girls, one thing leads to the next. Like they're they're constantly, you know, their attention might get shifted and, and you kind of go with that, which is, again, I feel like a really genuine part of how the stories function because that really is the way it works. That's the way kids are. And they have that luxury at that age too, to be able to just... Go. I mean, they're so focused. They don't have to think about all the stuff that clogs us up as adults. And that's half the fun is just going along with them. Now, this is a fun read, like you've said. Uh, but I'm also wondering, for kids reading this book, if it can be sort of helpful in just showing how, using Ivy Bean as an example, what it means to be a good friend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and Ivy and Bean are really good friends. And they're very different but they get along really well. They respect each other's differences. And, you know, they, at different times, Bean is leading, and at other times, Ivy is leading. And it kind of depends on what the adventure is or what's going on. And that 
that shows what a good team they are. And also when they first meet, that, that experience that, you know, sometimes the person that you don't think is going to be your friend maybe actually is. Because it's hard to make friends. It's hard to make friends when you're a kid. It's hard to make friends when you're a grown-up, too. And it's a lot of putting yourself out there and, you know, kind of having that back and forth. So I, I definitely think that the friendship element of Ivy and Bean is an important one and one that's inspiring and comforting and, you know, guiding for kids for sure. Now, when they go about the neighborhood, they looking through windows and various things like that, reporting on what's going on. Do you have a particular favorite story of all the ones they report on? Oh, my goodness. Well, they're all hilarious, but I definitely think my favorite is kind of the so-called bully on Pancake Court is Crummy Matt, um, who really is maybe less of a bully and more of just a difficult kid who's big and maybe a little intimidating. But but the girls managed to get a hold of a baby picture of Crummy Matt when he's a little naked baby. And the girls put this picture in their newspaper with the caption, guess you know, who the naked baby is, which is just hilarious to think about. And again, causes some hijinks for doing that. It's pretty funny. <laughs> Everything seems to go wrong for Ivy and Bean. They make a lot of wrong choices. They do a lot of wrong things. But in the end, they manage to be all right. Things work out for them. And I'm wondering if that's important for kids to read stories like this, where kids mess up, but their lives go on and they're still okay. Absolutely. I think that is huge. I think it's huge for kids. I mean, so much of life is about making mistakes and moving forward and learning from it and, you know, being resilient. I mean, if we all knew what to do all the time, life, A, wouldn't be very interesting. But, you know, you'd never, you'd never learn and grow. And I think empowering kids to, to make mistakes and to still feel good about themselves is a huge, huge thing. I mean, I know for myself growing up, I mean, I grew up in a house where, you know, mistakes got pointed out a lot. And I think it's a very important skill to be able to be resilient in the face of that and to, to just be like, yeah, making mistakes is part of the program. And actually, it's going to make everything better in the long run to try and to fall on your face and to get back up. Is there a particular passage from the book that you'd like to share? Sure, uh, absolutely. Um, I will share a passage from the beginning of the story, um, so as not to give away too much. But right here in the opening chapter, it kind of sets the scene for you, gives you a sense of the tone of the book and the characters. And I think there's a little bit of fun and sassiness in this beginning here that is a great way to to begin and have an introduction to Ivy and Bean. Um, so the first chapter is called Squish, Squish, Squish. Bean looked around the lunch table. Vanessa had it. She got it every day. Zuzu had it. Emma had it. Marga Lee had it. Dusset and Eric had it. Even McAdam had it. Everyone had it except Bean and Ivy. While Bean watched, Vanessa opened her lunchbox and took out a small red ball. It was a ball of cheese, but nobody cared about the cheese. The cheese was totally unimportant. The important thing was the coating around the cheese. It was wax. The wax was red. It was smooth. If you pulled on the secret string inside it, the wax split into two halves. You unfolded them and took the cheese out. Sometimes you took a bite of cheese. Mostly, 
you didn't. You rolled the wax between your hands until it was warm. Once it was warm, you could squish it. You could squish it and squish it. You could make it into a shape. You could put it on your face. You could hold it for the rest of the day, and it would get dirtier and dirtier until finally it was a small brown lump. Then you could stick it in the middle of your table and say it was a booger. Look it, said Vanessa, rolling her wax. I'm making a soccer ball. Maybe mom surprised me, Bean thought. Maybe she sneaked a cheese ball in my lunch for a special surprise. She peeked in her lunchbox. Nope. Look it, said Zuzu. She made a little wax horn. I'm a unicorn. She stuck it in the middle of her forehead. Bean could grab the horn. She could grab it and run away with it and move to another country where she wouldn't get in trouble. She sighed. Ivy poked her with an elbow. Pretend you don't care, she whispered. I think that's a fun, fun way to begin. And then you also get to see Ivy kind of getting in there with her friend and saying, ah, don't let it bug you. And it kind of sets the girls off on their journey. Jane, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me today about this book. And I also have to say, in particular, I didn't mention this at the beginning, but uh, this is actually the second interview uh, that you're giving me. The first time my recording software <laughs> failed and it just vanished. And you were gracious enough to agree to do this a second time. And uh, I really do appreciate that. <laughs> Well, you're very welcome. It was my pleasure. And I appreciate you thinking of me and bringing me on to chat about awesome books. You can find Jane's website at superjane.com. Her latest books, It's Halloween, Chloe Zoe, and It's Thanksgiving, Chloe Zoe, as well as other books in the Chloe Zoe series, are available at Albert Whitman and Company's website, which you can find at www.albertwhitman.com slash series slash other hyphen series slash Chloe hyphen Zoe. Thank you for joining me on Dream Gardens. The theme music titled All Together is provided courtesy of Purple Planet Music. You can visit them at www.purpleplanet.com. Podcast cover art is provided by Creative Pro 180, courtesy of Fiverr, which can be found at www.fiverr.com. You can visit me at jleemott.com or follow me on Twitter at DreamGardensJLM. The Dream Gardens podcast is also available through iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, please comment, share, or subscribe. Until next time, keep dreaming, keep growing, and keep reading.